And we're on. Welcome back to the Dad's Beer Club podcast. And my second journey to Australia this week. Jaden, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, I was, um, had, a, had a guy on on... What day are we on? Saturday. I lose track of days. Of the <laughs> <laughs> um, Thursday, yeah, Thursday, we were, I had a guy on who was um, from the West Coast. Oh, yeah, nice. WA, yep. Uh, well, I, I, sh- I should point out he lives in the West Coast. He's actually from Wales, but he's uh, right. <laughs> you know, he lives he's lived out there for eight years. No um, accent, though. No, well, no, weird. So he's so he's he's got a Welsh accent, um, and there's some words he says that are, that are very Australian. So I think you know, <laughs> you know, being there for eight years, he's he's managed to pick up, you know, some of the some of the twang. Yeah, but the, yeah, the Welsh, gross. the Welsh accent's quite a strong one anyway. So try to shift the Welsh accent is is I imagine quite difficult. Yeah, yeah just a terrible, terrible situation there. Yeah. Well, Jaden, one of the first things we always do on Dad's Beer Club is usually check what we're drinking for the evening. But seeing as though it's nine a.m. for me, I'm uh, I'm on a cup of tea. <laughs> that's fine mate i actually I, I stick to water only so we're good <laughs> yeah it's too, you know there's a saying here in england where um you, you know you know the british culture we like to have a drink we like to have a beer and you know if um if we're going to the football and it's like an afternoon game we'll be at the pub as soon as it opens nine ten o'clock and that's there's, there's always that there's a saying where you know you'll have a pint 9am and you'll be like oh, it's nine o'clock somewhere in the world <laughs> it's always beer o'clock somewhere in the world yeah 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 but yeah i mean i had a couple last night with this with charity tournament that i was talking about and i thought no nah, i can't i can't do it today <laughs> I've, I've, nah, all, all good no judgment yeah no I've, I've been sober just over a year now so really yeah 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 big, wow. big change in lifestyle so that was that's good I, do you know what i wish i had the willpower to do it i just don't I really don't. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's got to be taken, you know, really seriously. And I, 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 yeah. I struggled with it uh, for years. There's just the, the weekend abuse of it. Um, and it started dawning on me, like, for what? For what reason? You know, and, and especially having kids now, they do not give a crap if you've got a hangover. Uh, and I remember having one of the juiciest hangovers of, of my life and, and my daughter's just like up and ready to play. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this again. Yeah, um, yeah no, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm not the. I really struggle with hangovers. So if I've had a, if I've had a few beers, I mean, look, I only had two pints last, or two cans last night. So it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. so bad. But like, if I'd have had a, a skin full, I'd have woke up this morning, I'd have been horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah they never agree with me either. It's, it's just, yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> Many a meeting I've had to cancel or shift in the morning after a night out <laughs> with clients. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James, look, let's dive, let's dive straight in. What we normally do um, with everybody is just go back to the beginning. So talk about uh, growing up. What, what was life like for you with your dad? Did you, was your dad around? What was the relationship like? That sort of thing. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, the beginning. Um, okay, so just to set the scene, uh, we were 
raised so myself and my uh, two older siblings um, and two younger siblings. Uh, we were raised in a, in a uh, kind of country town outside of Melbourne, um, country Victoria, uh, and then we moved uh, closer into the, the outer suburbs. Um, I thought my life was a typical normal life. Everyone's got that kind of feeling. Um, my Both my parents weren't around in the mornings uh, when I was at kind of primary school age. Uh, they both got up and, and, and left for work. And so I was effectively parented by my, my eldest, uh, my sister. Uh, so I didn't have a lot of that um, that parental guidance in the morning. And, and when we got home from school, you know, it, it just wasn't there. You know, we were kids raising each other. Uh, and the the connection I had with, you know, that's, that's so ingrained in me the, the relationship with my dad back then was that he'd come home you know 5 30 6 o'clock at night and um and he'd just be berating us for uh for not you know having a tidy house and, and and not maintaining you know not checking all the chores off the list sort of thing every day um and so there was a lot of fear um around that uh a lot of fear of when dad come home we're all going to get in trouble you know and right. yeah it was he he never really led or with um, with physical abuse. There was some occasion of that, but it wasn't like he was a physical abuser. But but the the psychological abuse, the uh, the intimidation, um, the aggression, the um, the anger, the rage that was that was his power. His power was pure intimidation. Uh, so that was really really full on. Uh, definitely ruled the house by fear. Um, just had a big you know six foot two bloke. Big, big boy and uh, just yeah scary scary stuff especially as a little skinny pipsqueak kid like I was <laughs> so yeah that that definitely played a, a big part and it just uh, that that dynamic of of of, of, of authority and, and, and fear um, and it wasn't until I started going into high school where I uh, uh, you can't tell on camera I'm actually six foot six so I uh, I grew a lot <laughs> from the age of 14 to 16 uh, and uh, broadened out a bit. And uh, by the age of probably, yeah, 16, 17, in, in my last two years of high school, we call it VCE, um, he wasn't so intimidating anymore. <laughs> and uh, the, this, this, this dynamic shift started happening uh, where I started seeing him as a, as a scared man scared man ruling by fear okay. and that started changing a lot started yeah cogs in my head started turning around um and i kind of stopped taking his shit a bit and i realized that there's he doesn't know anything you know as, as kids we have that that connection to our parents that you know they have to they have to be our gods they have to be our world because if they're not then we're not safe, you know. We, we have to put our parents on the pedestal. It's just, you know, biological. We, we, we've got to do that to feel secure. Um, and that dynamic really started shifting around that age. Um, yeah, it's fascinating to, to reflect on now for sure. You mentioned the sort of um, in pr primary school, what do you call it, primary school there? Primary and high school, yeah. yeah. The breakfast clubs and after-school clubs. Was that typical for your your circle of friends or was it more just yourself no we we didn't we didn't get to attend any of those things that was we're all home alone 
Um, oh, oh, okay. So when you say your parents were out, you did you you were just at home? Yeah, yeah. So oh, okay. so they they'd leave for work at six o'clock in the morning. You know, we'd get up at seven and we got to walk ourselves to school and we walk ourselves home from school and okay. wait until they the parents got home. So that was that was pretty much all of our primary school life. Yeah. And how how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, so older eldest sister. Uh, she's fourteen years older than I am. Um, and then, sorry, sorry, my apologies, seven years older than I am. My brother is three years older than I am. And then I've got a, a, a younger brother who's seven years older than I am, younger than I am, yeah. uh, and, and a foster brother as well, who's, uh, who's about 10 years younger than I am, I think. Okay. So big family. Yeah. Yeah. Big family. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So I, I suppose from, from your parents perspective, they would have thought your older sister can look after them. They're, uh, yeah. She she was a uh, seven years older than you, so semi responsible. Yeah, the poor <laughs> bloody girl. <laughs> what a yeah, what a burden and what a what a pressure that is on 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 her now. You know, wow, being forced to be the the mother hen. You know? Yeah, um, and that that's that's not her personality type at all. She is not the mother hen. It did not bode well. Oh really? No, no, not at all. So, yeah, definitely caused a, a big, a big shift. Um, yeah, in her life as well, and and all of all of our siblings, we all have our own nuanced differences in, in our experience of of um, the relationship with our with our dad, and and um, where it all took a really, really big turn uh, was was a couple of days actually after my uh, my eighteenth birthday. So I I finished school. Um, as a 17 year old and I turned 18 in March um, just after I'd finished finished my my year 12 and um, there was a the the discussion of, of you know rent come up like board we call it board down here where uh, you know you, you get a job now you've got to start paying board and um, and they asked my parents asked for, for for money that I thought was too high at the time you know upon reflection now it's probably probably fair uh, but, uh, you know, I just kind of threw it back in their face and I'm like, no, nah, you know, this is, this is not on, this isn't fair. Um, and, uh, I said, look, I'll, I'll move out. You know, if, if you guys are going to treat me like this, I'll move out. And, uh, uh, they called my bluff cause they said, all right, go. And I'm like, whoa, well, actually my mum did. My dad sat back and said nothing. And that's what really hurt me the most. And so I spent the next, um, probably, six months um going between kind of share houses and friends houses and things like that um until i settled down at a friend's house for for the, the next kind of two years after that and and that that was huge that was absolutely huge for me um and that's kind of where it all went downhill really quickly okay and so it sounds like what you're saying is um at that point the relationship with both parents wasn't as strong as it probably could be yeah right. ab absolutely my because my my relationship with my dad was very uh because it, it previously was based on that that physical dominance like he had his control over me through physical intimidation and yeah. because i was bigger than him now um that power didn't work on me so much but what had happened then is my mum had ramped up her trying to control me 
and her her um, her style of parenting, which was at complete odds with me as well. And what happened there then is that my dad actually shrunk his role in the marriage um, and in the relationship with me. So he kind of lost all power and become this kind of, in my eyes at the time, like this kind of sniveling, scared little man um, who was letting, you know, his, his wife, my mum, my mum, his wife at the time, um, dominate the situation. Um, and now I can easily see, you know, kind of what the dynamic was there uh, with my dad, that he, he, he was a man that, that is, he is a man still today that is completely led by fear. Um, but knew he had this big burly voice and, and would use these intimidation tactics uh, as a way of masking his his insecurities about who he was, for sure. And did all your siblings have a similar... Oh, actually, I think you said that everyone has a different dynamic or a different understanding of, of the... Yeah, parent. yeah, all, all different. Um, <clears throat> my sister being seven years older at the time, you know, she... Uh, she had already moved out with her um, with her partner then, and my older brother he's he's actually going through quite a bit of um, quite a bit of mental health issues at the moment uh, with his experiences as a child, and 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 I've I've had my personal view of it, and, and my younger brother actually. So about two years after I left home um, is when my parents officially divorced, and my younger brother decided to stay with my dad. So they're they're all very close. Um, and and all of our, all of my siblings and I were all still close with um, with dad and and newly with my mum as well. So after the divorce, there was a big separation, big divide of all the siblings. And uh, yeah, and it's only now that I am I'm comfortable kind of sharing the story because I understand how to articulate it and I've gone through it and I've, I've healed through it. And it's by by bringing the family back together and, and understanding that. It, it's okay what happened uh, because everyone was doing the best they could with the tools they had at the time. Um, and that's, that's really that kind of message that I, that I, I live with that, that um, um, energizes me is, no, is, is, is forgiveness. It's, it's, that's the only place that we can be now is, is to, to feel, feel fulfilled and, and whole is through forgiveness. Yeah. The forgiveness is important. I think I was, I was start. I've just started um, cycling, trying to get fit, and awesome. um, I was. I listened to quite a lot of podcasts, and I, listen, I was listening to Joe Rogan's one the other day with. Um, is, it, is it David Goggins? Yeah, 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 yeah. Badass. He talks about. He talks about. Yeah, he's he's crazy. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I did that pull up challenge for like seventeen hours of doing pull ups. It was just crazy. Um, but yeah, he talks about how forgiveness is is something that will pull you down, and if you if you don't forgive and forget, it will just dominate you, and you have mm. to to move on and to be happy in life. You just have to forgive. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's very easy to say that you forgive until you actually do the work you 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 go through that dark night of the soul sort of thing you come out of the other side and you have that that moment that that completely changes everything for you and then you realize what true forgiveness is like yeah. that's that's that super powerful thing it's it's kind of really hard to explain but once you've hit it in yourself you you bloody know and, and it changes everything and it, it's literally like you've just had balls and chains attached to you around your waist and yeah. you've just 
flung them off and now you're free and life is easier. You physically feel lighter. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 a, it's a funny feeling that because you, you can get that in a, in a number of scenarios. I had that with a job that I hated and I was doing, you know, I did it for three years. And uh, at the start, I really liked the job. But for the last year, you know, I got a new boss and I just couldn't stand going in. But I'd go in because the money was good and, you know, I was doing well. And then we were made, loads of people were made, I think 150 people were made redundant. And honestly, mm. that that day, I was just like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> it was so, and I just, and, and like you say, those, those shackles were just let go. And, oh. you know, I saw it as an opportunity to go. And I set my own business up after that. And that, that you mm-hmm. know, that we've just, we just done our, we just completed our first year. So we've got, we've done really well. And, awesome. um, and yeah, it was the best thing that happened, but sometimes you just, you like, you just have to let those, those chains off. And, you know, I, I always yeah. talk to people, talk, 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 I work in recruitment. And um, we talk about, we talk to people about a lot about doing the job you hate. And there's a lot of people that do jobs they hate, they can't stand. You know, I was so, oh, you know, are you the kind of person that goes in, that can't wait to go to work on Monday? Or are you the person that doesn't want to get up for work, presses the snooze button, doesn't get out of bed? Is that you? Because if that's you, stop. You know, mm. that you don't have to do this job. There are plenty of other opportunities out there and you need to find something that you love. Mm. Exactly. Because ultimately we spend one third of our life at work. So why spend <laughs> one third of your life wishing it wasn't yours? Oh, totally, totally right. And, and you know, you, you then, you know, put that in with, with your families. Like how much time do you spend in your day occupied with your families? You know, is it is it an hour a day? Is it two minutes? Regardless of how long it is, though, that that accumulates, right? And yeah. and is that energy, that time you're spending on your family or that family member, is that positive or negative? Yeah. Right? And that that's what I was I was realizing. So what happened with me from from when I was eighteen and 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 I moved out of home and, and went through all of that. So I'm thirty two now. Um, and so it wasn't until I was I was roughly thirty thirty one that. Um, that the real breakthroughs come through um, and the real reconnection with my parents started to happen. Um, before that, the being being out of home and and then dealing with my parents getting divorced and all that sort of thing, I, I spiraled into yeah, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. Um, I was chasing sex, everything, you name it. Like I, I was doing all that, that typical thing, that that lost boy thing. You know, I was trying to find my way. I, I was, uh, you know, hanging around guys that were, you know, too rough. I was doing, I was doing the nightclub scene. Uh, you name it. I was just trying to find connection with anyone or anything that I could. Um, and and now I can see just how how hopelessly lost I was. I was just trying to find connection with a bunch of other people who were also trying to find connection and and, and really that connection that I was missing was, was, was with myself. Mm. And it wasn't until I started doing the internal work that, that I was able to reconnect with myself and then in turn be able to truly connect with other people. Yeah. Because, you know, that, that age sort of 18 to 22, those four years, and I know I've been mm. through it myself, very similar to that, you know, chasing women out every night a week. Yeah working for the weekend that's you know that was that was live but there's a there's a very 
there's a very um, real issue with men and society because that the, the world we live in for a guy that's what you know you're a lad about town you're you know you're a lad you need to you go out get smashed pull birds that's that's what everybody tells you you need to do as a as a young man you know nobody gives you that guidance to say actually you might come to regret some of these decisions in a few years time yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it's it's and yeah we we you ask yourself that question, like who who's there to guide us, right? Usually it should be the dad, but we've got to ask the question, who guided the dad? Who guided your grandfather? And well, so on and about, so on it goes. I was talking about this, uh, I think the other day with a podcast we were doing and we were saying about, because you're a similar age to me, so I'm, I just turned 36. Yeah. And um, I think you're probably still in the, well, I would say my age, my age range at 32. But I think our parents, I mean, my dad wasn't about, but, you know, knowing my friends' dads and stuff like that, it was very rare that any of their parents or dads, sorry, I'm specifically talking about dads here, were that arm around the shoulder, best mate kind of. It, 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 they were very standoff, you know. We talk here about, you know, the stiff upper lip as, you know, the, to the British way. You know, dad, dad went to work, went to the pub, was home for dinner. You know, that's, I think, for, from our dad's generation, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, I think that's what it was like. Mm-hmm. So, and it's only when our generations come up and we've, not that we're a little, a little more sensitive, but I think we are more open and we are more connected to people. So our outlook is completely different to our parents. And and I think as we grow and as my kids become old, kid becomes older, then I think it will become a lot more, I think men will become a lot more amenable. But yeah. looking back to the 70s and 80s, it just wasn't a thing that, you know. No, you get, it's like exactly said, right. Pub, work, slap. <laughs> Yeah, and and so I, I guess my my story with with my dad's a little bit a little bit different. I, I saw exactly what you said there with every single other one of my friends, all of them exactly that same. I actually find myself reflecting on how lucky I am that my dad would, even though he was that fearful, intimidating type, he was actually very different. Whereas he was actually a real and is a really sensitive, sensitive man, and being that sensitive man back a generation he was completely crushed having that sensitive side and forced into being a man you know my grandpa yeah. is a bloke's bloke right yeah and and, and so and so were his his brothers they're both tradesmen or security guards things like that right and my dad he was all about the intellect super super intelligent man um wears his heart on his sleeve and dinner talk around the table with with us growing up was actually more along the kind of progressive side, which was which was really eye-opening for me because I'm hearing all these these conflicting ideas at home as what I'm hearing around in society. But I, I can see more and more now that 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 my dad uh, I, I think is a generation ahead and, and we're kind of facing the same thing that, that my dad was back then, is, is that he was being forced to be a man man a typical alpha male in and it didn't feel right for him yeah. and so he i i would be the product of of a of a father 
who is going through kind of what a lot of society is going through now. And so I think I think I'm kind of proof of, of where that conflict or, or what we could be potentially doing to our kids if, yeah. if we didn't have things like this podcast uh, for people to hear. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, I, I'm confident that things are are definitely changing. I think that's absolutely this, you know the perception, and I, and I think this one of the the, the, te- the take. I was going to say the good things to happen from this pandemic because there's nothing really that's been great that's <laughs> that's come of it but it's always I a silver think, line yeah i think the, the silver line i think you, you, you said it right is that there's there's a lot of people there's a lot more people that are going to need more help mm. that's one thing but i think the upside of that is there's a lot of there's more and more people aware that people need help mm. and i think having more people aware that people aren't okay and yeah. actually it's okay to not be okay. That's the big change. And I think that's mm. the big change we need to see. Cause yeah, like yeah, I say, it was, sure. it's, it, you know, I think back to growing up and if I like, I imagine going to the, going to my mate's house or, or, you know, down the pub and say, do you know what lads I feel very good today? You know, I'm not feeling myself. They'd be like, Shut up, you idiot. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it it's so funny how it's not funny it's kind of traumatic and, and, and terribly sad actually how how that societal pressure does force us to behave in a way that's so out of alignment with who we truly feel we need to be right yeah so again all of my mates are tradies right they are beer guzzling drug using tattooed wearing driving their big trucks got the dogs all that sort of stuff like that is who i grew up with right yeah now i was the closet nerd in the group i'm playing warhammer forty thousand, right i play that by myself right i can't tell my friends that i do that <laughs> I, I, I love playing nintendo yeah get me onto zelda or whatever and you know i'll read a fantasy book you know i love lord of the rings right i say those words i utter those words near my friends and they just teased the crap out of me, right? <laughs> and so what was happening is I was conditioned to close up about that and deny who I truly was. Right? Yeah. And I'm not doing that anymore. And I feel so free. And that, that took, that's taken a couple of years worth of work. Um, but now what I'm, I'm starting to realize or, or at least wonder is how many of my friends or, or just guys in general, right, that, that, that lead that pub life, you know, how many of them have their songs unsung? How many of these guys actually are desperate to, to want to pursue what their heart actually desires? What, what you know, what, what do, do they want to take an art class? Do they want to start learning how to sing? Do they want to read fantasy? Do they want to write? Do they want to journal? Do they want to be poets? You know, all yeah. these sorts of things that, that these guys have the potential to be, but they're denying it to themselves out of fear of rejection. Yeah. From the guys at the pub, hundred percent. It was, just seems so sad. There was um, you have the do you have the X Factor over there? Yeah, we we have an Aussie X Factor. Yeah. So, so they did a celebrity version just before, so two thousand nineteen, I think it was. They did a celebrity version because nobody did anything last year. Mm. Um, but they did a yeah two thousand nineteen. They did a celebrity version, and there was um. F- 
a boy band, right? Call them a boy band because that's what they are. But they were three international rugby players, rugby union players, like big, burly men. And everyone's reacted. I mean, they were brilliant. They were really good singers and they did really well. Everyone's reaction was like, they can't sing. Like the, the big rugby players, what what are they doing? <laughs> it's, it was just incredible to see. And, and you look you look at it, and you think, yeah, they they look out of place on that competition, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't yeah, look out exactly of place. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, should, you should do what you want to do. Society says, you know, be a man. To be a man, you've got to work hard. You've got to have muscle. You've got to look a certain way. You've got to think a certain way. You've got to drink a certain way. You know, all these sorts of things. It's like, that is just bull crap. Yeah. Absolutely bull crap. We, we put on the pedestal this, this, this ideal alpha male, and that's who we're supposed to, you know, um, aspire to be. Yeah. And in doing so, we, we, we kill ourselves in that pursuit and we never achieve it. And we never honor who we're truly supposed to be. No. So sad. So, so Jaden, coming out of fairly big family, yep. obviously brothers and sisters, was there a, a big extended family, plenty of cousins? Oh, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. was. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. So coming out of a big family, growing up, did you, obviously going out of that 18, going, doing your own thing, like you said, living the life, Hmm. was having a family something that you thought would happen? It's something I always wanted, for, for sure. Wanted. I, I yeah. was definitely that idealistic, um, you know, hopeless romantic of, like, let's get a beautiful family going. Like, I wanted that, for hmm. sure. That was absolutely I, – I, I, was, I was definitely the, 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 the soft kid, you know, who wanted that, that little yeah. nest egg to just be all, like, cosy and cuddly and, yeah, absolutely. Big family, small family – uh, did, you, I originally did, you a, wanted, did you have a number? Yeah, I, I originally wanted three to four kids. Uh, we've we've got two. We've got a daughter who's four and a son who's one and a half. Um, and I think I think we're done now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so it's so funny. Like, so I've got um, I've got one boy, and you know, my missus doesn't want any more kids. That's you know, I've said that a million times on here. I've moaned about that a million times. Um, mm. She doesn't want any more, but. She's like, if you ask her, she said, I'm done. I've got one. Mm. I'm done. And because um, it's not easy, is it? it it's nah. it's really not easy. And it's easy for si- us. <laughs> yeah. My, my sister is, um, so she's just turned 30 and she, she's just about to have a kid. She's just about to start a family. And um, she's, oh, you know, I want to have, I want to have three all after, back to back after each other. And I'm like, Hannah, you, you've not even looked after my boy for one night. You've never looked after a kid and you think you're just going to knock out three and it's going to be dead easy. Uh, I'm just so fascinated by people's, it's like expectation versus reality, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, yeah, and and she wants twins as well. I'm like, you're mental. (laughs) Hey, if she could pull that off, Good on her. That's awesome. Power to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, um, you you meet your when did you meet so your, your your partner that you're with now? Yeah, geez, that's a great question. We are. I met her just before my twenty first birthday. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we've been together 12, 12 years now, um, and yeah, God, she she's been such a guiding light to me. She is just this. 
just this rock. She she is absolutely incredible. Um, and it's like I have slowly but surely kind of year by year sorting my shit out and in line, getting in alignment with with her. Yeah. Um, and, and now these last 12 months, 18 months, has been where we have just connected on a, on a level that I never even thought was was, was possible at all, for yeah. sure. I can relate to that. I've been I've been with my partner for get this right <laughs> fourteen years, I think fourteen years. Yeah, this year. Um, yeah. But again, you know, I was very similar to you that she's always been very level headed, straight laced, and whereas I've always been a bit of an idiot, you know. And it's taken <laughs> me it's taken me a few years to get like as you say on the same trajectory. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, and I'm sort of thankful to her that she sort of stuck around as she has because I haven't been easy. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's funny how how much she's grounded me in a way that my now I realise that that I'd actually needed from my dad. I needed that consistent person to look up to who, no matter what I did, their behaviour didn't waver, and and then I could reflect on them in my low times and go, "That's the." that's the person I need to aspire to. Yeah. Right? And so that's what my, my wife has been for me is, is that, that constant, you know, North to always keep pointing back to it. And eventually I'm, I'm, I'm hitting it more and more constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So was, so, you know, you, you openly said that you, you wanted to have kids, you wanted a couple of kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that was really important straight off the bat. And you obviously got with her fairly young. So 21 is still, is she a similar age to you? Uh, yes, yeah, so she's two years, two years behind me. Okay. So when do you start having the conversation about kids? Because obviously you didn't have them till quite, quite a way into that relationship. Yeah. So, so uh, my years will probably be off a little bit, but uh, I think I got married when I was 27. Okay. Yeah. It's probably seven years. Um, and, and we, we had a daughter, um, nine months after our wedding, uh, don't know how that worked, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I wonder, um, yeah. So, but, but the, the conversation, um, about, about kids was, was, was pretty, pretty soon. Um, and, and that was really just to, I, I, I'm always a very open and honest person and, and very direct, like. I, I knew that if I was going to invest my time in in this incredible woman, that that she had to be in alignment with with what what I wanted, yeah. um, or else you know it just wasn't going to work. Um, and luckily for me, you know, we pretty much lined up with everything the whole time. Yeah. So it's 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 been fantastic. Do you remember the pr- pr- proposal? I remember the proposal very well. Uh, it was a it was a Christmas morning. Um, Sorry, one second. That's all right. There should be no dead air. It's nice and quiet. Sorry, so that, I should have just kept talking random things. See, that, that doesn't happen in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good, all good. The, the delivery driver doesn't come in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the proposal was, uh, 
um it was it was it was a christmas day i, I i'm i've always been um been pretty terrible with with thinking of like christmas gifts and uh, i just thought you know this year what a great way to get out of kind of getting a mini christmas <laughs> gifts by just <laughs> arranging a, a, a proposal yeah, and possible ta-da i <laughs> uh, see so yeah, that that worked out pretty well so yeah did the old you know hand on uh, knee on the floor sort of typical thing and yeah it was good I'm, I'm always amazed that, that I, I asked some of my friends that. How did you, know, how did, you do it? But, um, I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not the big romantic. It's like, like I have the romantic kind of ideations, but not necessarily the actions. Like, I'm not that sort of kind of wine and dine, take out to restaurants. That is not me at all. <laughs> I feel like that's just totally forced. Yeah, that's just me. Yeah, well, I did the old... Down on one knee in a restaurant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, def definitely not not my style whatsoever. And no. yeah, fortunately, not my wife's either, so it's good. <laughs> um, look, so um, moving forward to the first the first baby, how did how did your then wife tell you that she was pregnant? Uh, that was that was awesome. That was a, I'll never forget it. That was a. A Saturday, I was I was at work in the office, and I get a text message uh, where where we so she she was she was having morning sickness, right? And and we're like, really this early? Do you think? All right, let, yeah, go 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 get tested, and I'll be at work on Saturday, and you let me know how you go. And yeah, that message was yeah, boom. Um, yeah, I can't remember the exact words, something about yeah, you're going to be a daddy, uh, and I just burst into tears. It was it was the best. It's awesome. In using work, yeah, yeah. I ducked into the uh, the printer room and uh, pulled <laughs> my eyes out, gave her a quick call, and yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Yeah, and did you, did you feel? I, I presume you were trying at that point, then. Uh, yeah, yeah. We yeah. we honestly, yeah, we, we we tried, and we we knew really quickly. Um, it, it was like in the first like three weeks. Um, of conception okay. that uh, that she started showing signs, so we knew really, really early. Yeah, yeah. And so, obviously, you, you get the news you're going to be a dad. Obviously, you have that excitement that that you, that's what you want. But then, does sort of reality of what's about to happen set in, and or, or was it all bliss? Because I know so, yeah. I, I speak to some guys, and they have that. Yeah, and then it's like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I was super excited. I'm I'm a I'm a like a hands on uh, dude. I, I I love it. Uh, like that sort of stuff. Super super excites me. What I realise now upon looking back at my time is that I was super enthusiastic about it. But what I ended up doing actually was was letting my wife do all the planning, all the preparation, and I just sat back. So even though I was super enthusiastic about it happening, from conception to arrival, I actually did very, very, very little okay. um, to, to my shame, to be honest, okay. yeah. And I, I don't know if that was uh, just a, a, a male thing in general. Um, I think that it, potentially just a, a personal Thing for me, uh, which is something I've started to unpack um, with myself as a coach. So, so I'm a, a life coach, by the way, and I get coaching as I'm as I'm doing it. 
Uh, and so something I've just started learning uh, is that I, I've been good at, or I've had a habit of shirking responsibilities. And those shirkings of responsibilities was purely due to the fact that I was afraid of trying something or, or learning something and failing at it. So what way to protect yourself is by not trying or not investing yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And because over here they have um, sort of antenatal classes on the NHS. Is there, is there like a similar thing over there for you guys? They do have that. They offer all that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, wing it. Hannah, my wife, I'm just like, yeah, if, if you need to tell me anything, just let me know. Otherwise, yeah, we're, we're good. Good on the day. <laughs> so she, did, she, did she go and you didn't? Uh, no, she she didn't end up going. Because um, okay. we, we've, we've got Google. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Yep. Yeah. Lots of YouTube videos and, yeah, lots of research. And, yeah, we're avid, avid, avid researchers we are in our household. So if we want to learn something, we'll pretty much just learn it our way. And what? Were f- friends and family having children before you? So were, or were you sort of first, first in your group? First in the group, yeah, first in the group. Okay, so you, you really have nobody, obviously other than Google, no. to ask <laughs> for support or help. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. And we were really close with um, with my wife's family, so uh, like really, really close during all that time. So that, that, that helped a lot. Um, and, and during this time, I wasn't so close with my family yet. Um, so there wasn't a lot of support from that side. I wasn't seeking it. Um, yeah. Not that there wasn't there to give. It, it was. I, I just wasn't ready to, to, to seek it at that time. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of support from my wife's side of the family. Okay. Yeah. And the, the pregnancy, how was that? Was it uh, smooth sailing or were there were there, were there any For her, it was horrible. Uh, it was uh, – we. Uh, my wife actually got uh, – um, a pretty serious multiple sclerosis scare during it, uh, where she was admitted to hospital for a few weeks, um, where she just lost all the right side of her body. Um, and so that that was pretty full on. Um, uh, you know, she got a, a thing called drop foot, where she just can't, like her foot, one of her feet just wouldn't lift. And so she was constantly falling over, which was then dangerous for the, for, for our baby. Um, so that, that was pretty, pretty serious. Um, but that all just righted itself within a few months before mm. before birth um yeah so was it was it smooth sailing a lot of stress no. involved in on that side and do you remember the day of the birth yeah yeah i was there helped catch our daughter what awesome. um where was so where were you when you when did you get was you together when you got the call or that we're having it or yeah, to- so I, I, I planned to take annual leave off uh, for work, you know, around X day and, and it worked out really well. You know, my, my, my leave started on that, that Wednesday and and uh, it all started that Friday night and we had a 55-hour um, kind of pre-labour and labour and I think from that Friday night until the Monday, wee hours of Monday morning when a daughter was born, I think I got about two and a half hours of sleep. So that Jeez. was... That's good. Fifty-five. Uh, do you know? I did um, one of the the video uh, the vlogs. I call it, like and down with the kids video blog. I call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did. I talk about how you know some of the things you need to get used to being a being a new dad, and one of them is I say, look, just get the labour. It's long. Like it's it's a whole so day. Sometimes too. Yeah. But for you, it was even in going into the third. Oh, it was it was yeah, it was mental. 
and I'm looking at my wife and she's just like pumped full of like adrenaline and she's just like fine. And I'm like, just passing out. Like, how are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Take, a, take a bit of that gas and air. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was smashing that thing flat out. Yeah, uh, that is funny. the best. I, you know, I, I broke my leg a couple of times and um, I've had that. Oh my God, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah that, it was good and, and you know straight straight from then on it was you know i i realized now that i was continually taking a back seat um in in my role as a, as a dad um uh for sure i was letting my my wife do all the thing you know i was just more so the one that was keep looking after my wife like that that was my focus there was was making sure she was okay and again there's not a lot that the dad can do with the baby specifically um yeah but definitely know that i could have alleviated a lot of my wife's stress if i chipped in more so if ever i could give any advice to some new to be dads is bloody get involved because your wife needs your support or your partner needs your yeah. support so much yeah and what's what's matern paternity leave like over there for, for dads? Oh, so I, I'm with a I'm with a very um, large company, one of one of one of the bigger energy companies in Australia, and they they do the maximum, so uh, twelve weeks. Oh, okay, full, that's good. Full pay for, full for pay. dads. Wow. Yeah. That is so I mean, three months I got to take. It's two weeks here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just... incredibly fortunate. So, so you get to take that um, any time within the first two years of, of your child being born. Uh, so, so I took mine um, probably after the first six months. Yeah, I took mine and yeah, and, and had essentially three months off work. I mean, that it is good. I don't, but I'd also argue it's probably not even enough. You know, there's um, Agreed. there's yeah. there's there's this. There's a myth, isn't it? That, that well, I say it's a myth, but is that that the first few months are the most important time for the mother and child to bond. Mm. That's, that's what, that's the, the narrative that you peddled. But what about the dad? When is, when is, when is it time for dad to bond as well? And it is yeah. also in that time. It's that, that first, those first few months, you need that time to be able to connect and bond with your child. And I've, I heard so many stories from dads where they'll say, I had one guy on the podcast where he said he, the first three or four months he just couldn't connect with the child. Mm. He saw the child as a as a burden, and you know, change change to his life, and maybe that comes down to actually not having to not getting to spend any time with his child because you get two weeks and then you're going back straight back to work. Yeah, we def definitely for so many people, you know, again, and it's that that conditioning, right? Men are supposed to work. Right. Yeah. So then, if society supports only you know a, a, a measly two weeks off, then you're back to work. So it's like you're forced into that stereotypical role that yeah. that that you innately doesn't feel right to you, but it's forced upon you, and so you just have to go through the motions, and it's it's, it's almost forcing disconnection from our children. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's horrible, and that, I feel so grateful to to be working for such a company that that actually happily does the the, the maximum we're allowed to in Australia, and 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 they even have options to to double that for half pay and and so on. So, yeah. um, it's yeah, it's incredible. See here, they you know they think they're being progressive by offering shared parental leave. So, 
you know, the, 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 your wife will get nine months off. I think she can take maximum of 12, actually. I think the first nine you get a certain amount paid and then the, you can take the, the rest off unpaid. Hmm. But they, they have sh- shared parental leave, so you could each take six months. But there's no man I know that was ever going to take six months off his wife to say, you, you go back to work now, I'm going to stay at home with the kid. It's just never yeah. going to happen. Yeah. So, Unless you have the, 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 the corporate mum who, who wants to do that, and that's, course, that's yeah. great. But then yeah. there's that separation, yeah, where you, you you're not bonding as a as a as a trio, it's the as a family, way, isn't it? Then it's the it's, yeah. the it's the mum that's being left out. Mm. I think there's one country that get this right. I've looked, I've done a bit of reading on this, and it's and for me, Finland are the only country in the world that have this spot on. Mm. <clears throat> so they have um, every parent gets seven months paid leave mm. because. They have they have, they ran this campaign a couple of years ago called Daddy Time, and the the meet the PR and the media was all around dad in a you know st- stereotype of a man you know with a hard hat high vis vest pants pulled around his builder's ass that sort of thing <laughs> pushing a pram and it was like it was this whole thing of Daddy Time, and actually Finland is one of the only countries in the um civilized world is the wrong word but like modern um western uh, civilization yeah like the one of the western western civilizations that fathers on average spend more time with their children than mothers mm, and it was all around this whole it's only seven minutes it's not like you know loads more time um mm. but it was they ran this whole campaign and, and what they realized is that dads are dads are just as important as mom and especially in those first months with bonding with with the children uh, that that's where it all happens that bonding time in those first few months and they mm. realize that and they yeah that seven months shared parental leave you can take and they've also done it so if it's a single mother or a single father they get both seven months so they get 14 months awesome. paid leave god that's good that's good and and that's that's just facilitating connection yeah um and, and that's that's what our kids need you know the, the amount of uh, content that I listen to about Dr. Gabor Mate, um, if you've heard of him, he's absolutely incredible. Um, uh, you know, he's got a book, Hold On To Your Kids and, and, and things like this, where he talks about that human connection with the children, what children need, how to get, you know, the, the, the stress that children have um, and, and, and how we should be as parents and really connect. It's, yeah. it's so, so important. And, and ever since... So just to quickly kind of give a bit of context as to kind of how I got from there to, to here yeah. um, is, is my, my daughter actually when, um, when she was just probably one and a half, uh, one morning she woke up and, and she couldn't put weight on her legs. And 24 hours later, she was on an operating table getting parts of her skull removed um, to relieve swelling on her brain. Now, if you were to look at me post uh, pre pre that situation, I was this guy who was the the smart ass, uh, the one who thought he knew it all, had everything in control, and and would use my intellect to to tell myself or make myself feel like I was in control or or everyone else was was less than me. Kind of that's that toxic judgmental persona I took up took on to 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 make myself feel safe and. That moment 
in the hospital when that was happening with my daughter, it was that moment I realized that one, I knew absolutely nothing about what was happening at that moment. And two, I had zero control. So the guy who thought he knew everything and controlled everything to make sure that, you know, nothing went wrong. Um, in my eyes, I hadn't, all my power was gone. And it was that moment that really started this kind of snowball effect of me going, what have I been doing with my life? Because it's all just come undone in front of me. This illusion has just fallen. And, you know, after, after, the, after the surgery, she, she was in a coma for two weeks. And, um, and after that, when they started waking her up, um, she was unresponsive and, and, you know, we, we got sat down from the, from the doctors and they, they said, be prepared for the cerebral palsy, um, full, pretty much retardation, uh, full, you know, 24 seven care for the rest of her life. Your daughter will be in a wheelchair. You will need a spoon feeder, bathe her, you know, wash her everything. Like this is, this is it. This is, this is what you need to get used to. And, and my wife and I just looked at each other and were like, that's not our daughter's fate. It's absolutely not our daughter's fate. And so what we, both my wife and I, what we did was actually um, go down the path that most resonated to us individually, but would both help our daughter. So my wife went down the, the health um, the health side, so all about right foods and, and brain health and things like that. And I went down the, the kind of human behavior psychology side about how the brain works, um, how people think, because what was really, um, uh, really important to me is to be able to communicate to my daughter when, when we knew she was going to start getting better. Um, and so that's what led us down that path. And so the, the recovery of our daughter because of, and I wholeheartedly believe it's because of what me and my wife did, is that she is nearly at a complete full recovery um, three years later. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was just over two months after her surgery that um, when we were told that she was going to be, um, you know, wheelchair bound for life, that, uh, that she walked out of hospital on, on very shaky legs. And that, um, yeah, that's, that's been the journey ever since. And so, you know, she, she's been recovering and we've been working with her therapy and things like that. And, and this whole time, my wife and I are on this quest to understand the human body in, in, in every way we possibly can. And, and that's why understanding human behaviour and understanding, understanding the, the tribal cycles that we have as, as adults that are handed down from our parents and, and so on and so on, I wanted to know what happened to me and why I had the disconnection with my parents and my father and think, okay, well, I'm, I'm a father to my daughter. So what can I do to, to avoid the situation that I was experiencing with my dad at the time and for the previous years? And so this is where I started really, really taking note and looking into all these people that, that knew more about it, you know, psychologists, therapists, counselors, coaches, all this sort of thing. What are these people saying? What are these people saying about children, about connection, about how to communicate with our kids? And so this is what we have done as a family is, is become so conscious in our parenting, so conscious in ourselves, becoming aware of who we are and knowing that 
we can't be the best parents if we're not the best people ourselves. And so knowing that if the focus isn't on our child, we're not there to fix our daughter. We're actually here to fix ourselves. And in doing so, our daughter will be healed as a result. That is absolutely yeah. what we believe in. And, and, and that is, I mean, the results are speaking for ourselves, for, for itself. You, you'd look at our daughter right now and you wouldn't think there's anything wrong with her. And, and the, the doctors are just absolutely gobsmacked every time they see her. They're just like, how? They, they cannot explain her recovery. Jane, because obviously I imagine for a lot of parents that aren't as strong-willed as obviously you pair are or were at that point, that could be crippling news and, you know, could be filled with anxiety and could really send people on a real downward trajectory Mm. Um, but for you guys, it did the opposite. It sent you on a on a path of discovery. If if if, and I'm not necessarily talking about if they're in a situation with their children. But if you've got guys, you know, maybe watching this, thinking, you know, what, I need to change. I need to become a better person. What would you? How? What? Where do you recommend they start that discovery? Yeah, so the the most important thing to realize is that um, humans as, as a whole, we are more likely to move away from pain than we are to move towards pleasure. And so like that is just a, a, a fact of nature of the human condition. And so what we need to, to start exploring is what pain am I going to incur if I stay the same? So, you know, if let's just use the example of I am an alcoholic, right? I can continue being safe as an alcoholic because that's my, my, my realm of comfort right now. It's my safe zone, even though it's painful, it's, it's what I know and it's safe. Anything outside of that, that, that bubble is unknown and is therefore yeah. painful and is therefore something that we're not likely to, to explore. So what we need to do is, is start reflecting and go, okay, if I stay the same, what is gonna happen in three months? What's gonna happen in a year, three years, 10 years? What's my life gonna be, right? Really, really look down and go, what will happen to my life and those around me if I do not change? And you start stacking all those painful thoughts that are gonna start coming up as a result of not changing and those will absolutely outweigh your fear of changing in the moment because you'll be so terrified of what will happen down the track if you don't that there's no option but to change just what you were saying now actually got me thinking about somebody else but how how what advice would you give to somebody who a, a close friend or a family member is is addiction or you know alcoholism drugs or whatever and they can't see that they need to change but everybody around them can see it how how what advice can you give to somebody to try and help them to see that light uh so i wouldn't necessarily give them advice i'd actually ask them how they're going so it's about understanding where that addiction comes from, where that behavior comes from. 
Yeah. So an addiction is just a cover-up to to avoid pain. So we, we as humans don't do anything that doesn't serve us. Even though it sounds, you know, from the outside, well, you know, how could an addiction to gambling or whatever be a good thing? But to that person, that's helping them. That's helping yeah. them in some way. So it's what are, what are they hiding from? What are they trying to protect themselves from? Where is that pain? Right? That pain can be um, can be numbed by any vice: alcohol, sex, drugs, gambling, you name yeah. it. So it's what is that pain that's being masked? That's yeah. what we need to explore. That's that's it. And so it's all about talking to your friends or whoever's close by that is suffering and finding out, really talking to them. Because if you want to just give someone advice, they're gonna they're not gonna listen, right? Because they, they they don't understand where the what's what's behind it. So they yeah they need to go back to the beginning. Yeah, because you know the, the the big problem with addicts is they don't know they're an addict. You know, yeah. Well, some will, some will understand that, but a lot of them, and I'm thinking of somebody in particular here that will not understand that they have a problem. Mm. Um, and you know, you can talk to them about it, and they'll be like, "No, no, it's not, it's not an issue." But you know, from the outside, you can all see that there's there's clearly something that needs addressing. Mm. But it's how you you take that that's just that step. Do you know one of the frustrating things for me about? Um, help, and I don't know if it's the same over there, it probably is. We're very, we're very similar. Um, yeah. but so let's say it's my friend who's got an addiction problem. If I if I want to refer him to the hospital or the doctor, and I say, Look, this guy is, is going to seriously harm himself if he doesn't get help, somebody needs to speak to him or do whatever, there's nothing they can do. They have that, mm. The referral has to come from the person. And I just find that incredible because, like I've just said, you're talking, you're talking about people that don't recognize they have an issue. So mm. how do the self-referral system for me just doesn't work? You know, you've got friends, you've got family, your wife, your mom, your dad all know that there's a problem, yet there is absolutely nothing that they can do to help people and i just find that incredible is that the same there is it yeah look i'm I'm not overly familiar with it but it does sound like it's like it's similar um from from what i hear from other people i I haven't i haven't been involved in that system specifically but yeah does sound about right i just find that amazing like yeah well i mean what can you do you can call up the cops and get them to you know pull someone in against their will for something they haven't broken the law necessarily back in the day you'd have been sectioned (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> take him away <laughs> yeah it's it's that really tricky thing and you know what, what what can we do as a society well what can we do is actually normalize conversations like this yeah right? so so that there is no stigma behind admitting that there's a problem or or, or or at least starting that conversation that would allow people to identify in themselves that oh there is actually something that i'm doing here that that isn't productive you know Promoting self-inquiry is, is super important. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, as, as much as there's, there's a stigma around mental health, there's a similar thing around drugs and the, you know, the, you know, the way that the drug laws are, are applied. You know, I was, I was reading, um, I was reading this report about, so not, I think it was, yeah, it was Norway. Norway had a real problem with heroin. Um, 
loads of people were dying, loads of lots of crime due to addicts needing to rob and steal for mm. to, to make money. So what they actually did was they they made it legal. So they said, well, we're going to make it legal. You can take, you can come to government facilities and you can have as much heroin as you need, but you have it here. And whilst you're here, we're going to talk to you about why you're taking this. What's, what's the problem? What is, is that, that is, that is masking. And the, you, you wouldn't be surprised to know that Norway's heroin problem just went straight down because actually they took away that, uh, stigma of it being, uh, you know, uh, it, oh, I took away from it being illegal, and they need into so crime drops because these people aren't stealing to to fund their habit, mm. but they're also getting help to deal with the problems that is causing them to have have this. Yeah, and they're not being pushed to the fringes of society; they're being welcomed back and accepted. They're, yeah. they're getting the connection, which really is most likely what most of them are craving in yeah. the heroin. They're craving connection. They're craving that loving warmth, that dopamine hit you get when you hug someone that you love. That's what yeah. the heroin's giving them. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying, saying legalize heroin. <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, the, the, I think the, the way that, they, they, that people treat drug users as criminals, I think is, I just think that's wrong. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, rehabilitation is, is absolutely the way to go because, again, rehabilitation shows that there's understanding, there's compassion behind it, knowing that there's a human being underneath all that pain. That pain has conditioned that person to behave in a way that is against society's norms, right? So we need to understand where that gap was. And you, you, you damn well know that that gap's going to start as, at the home more, more likely than not. But it's, you know, it's also who's why are they deciding that some drugs are fine and some drugs aren't? You know, alcohol and tobacco are just as bad as, you know, um, uh, cannabis is an example. Because obviously, cannabis we could get down thing. the filthiest rabbit hole <laughs> on that topic. <laughs> it's the government, man. Uh, let's get back to being a dad. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, yeah, you're obviously going through. Um, at that at that period with your 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 first your first child and you, you've obviously gone through the self discovery and understanding of the, the body and you, like you say you, you're not you've not come through it but you've definitely come to a place that is where the doctors were project, project predicting you were to get to and you've gone on a completely different trajectory. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, we. It's yeah. It's, she's she's almost you know at this rate. You know, I can't say anything, you know, as in like I can't, I'm not a doctor, right? But yeah. at this rate that we're going, it, it could be two years and, and she's made almost an equivalent full recovery, you know, at the, wow. the, the rate we're going. Um, it's it's incredible. And, and you know what the best thing about all this is? So many times I hear people say like, oh, I'm so sorry for you or or things like that. or And, and I think, no, absolutely not. This has been the greatest thing that could have happened to our family. Yeah. because it has forced us to dig deep and learn and grow. And we have come so close as a family because of this, that our lives has been better in every way, shape and form ever since that, that, that fateful day. Um, it's something I would never change ever. It's, it's about finding that opportunity. There's opportunity in everything mm. and it's just being Absolutely. able to look for it and find for it. And, um, but it, the self-discovery part of that is obviously important because you need to you need to 
like let go of that negative without letting go of the negativity you're never going to get there yeah a hundred percent and and it was it was this this journey that i needed to to that i was powered by trying to save my daughter was was where i actually saved myself and and in that self-inquiry is where i learned to let everything go and i learned to forgive yeah and if it wasn't for this i wouldn't be in this beautiful spot uh, mentally that i am now with my family uh, we're all connected again. We're all beautiful. There's there's no hard feelings. There's nothing. But like I do not have an ill will to anyone on the planet. And this is coming from someone who would judge everyone all yeah. day, every day, right? Yeah. And it's completely turned around. I've had my awakening moments, and it's it's absolutely beautiful. And yeah. and it, it come from you know it's a really serious trauma uh, to to happen. But it's you know I had to ask myself like. What was I going to do in that situation? Was I going to go through it or was I going to grow through it? Yeah. And I chose to grow. I'm the same. You know, the last blog that I wrote um, was called Be the Change You Wish to See in the World. And I, I start it. that by saying, you know, I went into 2020 with cynicism and contempt for everyone. You know, that mm. was that was me. You know, I was very much, I'm the center, you're the center of your own world and nothing matters. It's just you. Mm. And I sort of left. 2020 we've actually completely my mind had been completely flipped and you know Mm. trying to trying to help other people and that's yeah it was it was just it was that from the start of the year to the end of the year i found myself being a completely different and a very different outlook on on life and how you react to other people and treat other and i'm similar to you you know i'm I'm at the point now i'm like i've got no real will to anybody It's 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 so it's such a good feeling and and I tell it this is, to some it's people. It's a great place to be. It yeah, is a great people can't place understand it though. They they really really can't get it. And, and I'm like, no, it's really like I love everyone. It's 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 awesome. You you could pick the worst person in the world, and I could tell you, no, I I, I love them because I don't see what they've done. I see who they are. I see that yeah. innocent child when they were born. I see that beautiful soul that's inside them. Like like they're all potential and. If anyone's done anything, anyone harm, it's because of the circumstances that we're in, and we yeah. just need to help guide them back onto a path that's that yeah. you know that serves. Yeah. So um, the the gap between you t- the, you two kids, what what, what are they? Yeah, about uh, two two and a half years. Give take. Was, yeah. Second one was that planned again, or was or not planned? It, it was planned. It was just probably a year early. Right. Okay. Yeah, about, about you, was, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a bit of a, a rush job, but uh, it's good. How did you How did you find out about that one? Uh, very similar way, actually. Uh, yeah, it wasn't much different at all. all yeah, right. super super early. Um, just like, hey, buddy, he's going to turn the light off on me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it wasn't what's it wasn't much different. Um, just a pretty pretty cruisy one, and, and no MS scare during uh, during the, the second pregnancy, which was great. Um, yeah. So yeah, it all went along swimmingly. So yeah, the, the MS is uh, so. So my mum died of MS mm-hmm. three years ago, and it's uh, you know, I've seen that. That's a, just a horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible disease. Yeah, it's not uh, fun. It's not fun no. at all. No, so. Uh, and people are getting two more, but let's move away from that one. <laughs> um, both of your, both of your kids, were you, were you parents that wanted to find out, or did you leave it till the day for the surprise? 
uh we we wanted to find out yeah yeah i said i definitely did um and i i convinced my wife that she wanted to as well so yeah yeah i just don't understand i i do not so my wife carly her friend they're actually having a baby shower tonight a virtual one actually um because obviously we're still in lockdown you guys are <laughs> um but they that's their first child and they are wait they've waited to find out the sex of the and i'm like how have you done that like i just Good you know how, how do you decide what you're putting in the bedroom how do you decide what clothes you're buying yeah i'm so impaired we actually we actually paid to have an early have an early test yeah, <laughs> i think i think you find out 17 weeks i think you, you find out but i think you can pay to have a scan at mm. 12 or 13 i think so, so we we like yeah tell me early tell me now yeah for sure for sure <laughs> i couldn't have waited um, Credit so to Jayden, can, though. that's awesome yeah Jayden, look, wrapping up because i know we, we've we've gone over a little bit here but what has got quick yeah. <laughs> hope for the future do you think you'll have any more children or are you, are you, are you done yeah now? look I, I i don't think i will I, I i don't i don't think we will um and the reason for that is is that we're spending so much time on ourselves uh and on our kids right now um and we've got a lot going on that that I, I would be genuinely concerned that if we did have another one, that the the, the, the time and, and the great value quality time that we're spending with our kids now and ourselves would be spread just that bit too thin. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't feel personally that I would be right um, to to have another kid and, and 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 give them all the attention that they need. Not to say it's not possible. Um, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not ready for that right now. Um, yeah. you know, and I don't think it'd be fair on, on, on the kid either, or my or my current kids. So. <laughs> I'd love another one. My, my wife's giving me daggers in the background because she doesn't. <laughs> <want them. laughs> um, Good luck. <laughs> yeah. If I, if I slag her slag her off enough on here about not having it, maybe she'll uh, she'll give me one. No, she Social says, pressure works every time. <laughs> you know, I I would have I would have one more. I think just one. I'd like a little girl. Yeah, now, a boy. But yeah, um, a little bit more convincing to do on my end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best of luck on that one, mate. As I said, you're not the one with the ovaries, so. No, so there you go. no, I'd, I'd adopt though as well. You know, my mum was adopted hey, awesome. as, as a as a kid, um, so I was always something i've always said i would like to do but again it's just convincing the boss yeah well as i said you know i've got a younger brother adopted younger brother as well so yeah i, I love it i think it's i think it's such a good way to give back to the community and and to, to really save a life so it's it's fantastic 100 mm. yeah well listen jayden brilliant speaking to you um you're probably going to bed now right yeah yeah, yeah it's quarter <laughs> past nine now uh, yeah nine. okay yeah, so I, I still get up at five every day. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, it was you that was telling me about the free M's. So, um, yeah, that's something that I'm trying to trying to incorporate: movement, meditation, and mantra. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, do, do you know, I, I'm trying to do it. I'm just not great at con consistently doing it. But when you do work out in the morning, I feel so much better for the rest of the so day. So much better, absolutely. Yeah, it's life changing. Yeah. Awesome. 
Man, this Brilliant. has been an absolute blast. I really appreciate uh, your time and, and and what you're doing here is is fantastic. You know, to be able to get the the average Joe on here, have a chat, have a bit of banter, and and you know just get to have these conversations and for other people to be able to hear this. I think what a what a beautiful time that we live in that we can yeah. share our stories and and normalize this sort of conversation and and if this inspires other people to to have these conversations and 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 create that 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 space for self-inquiry how how incredible is this i think we're just so fortunate and, and what you're doing is is brilliant and i just yeah i really appreciate everything you're doing yeah and like i say we're in a time when we're so connected i mean you're like you're you're in literally in australia now and i'm i'm so you know what you know 20 30 years ago that i probably been you know what have you <laughs> very but, cool yeah well, technology's moved on so much and we should just use it right so let's just absolutely embrace it spread the love that's it <laughs> <laughs> mr Jonah, it's been great speaking to you and um you know we're connected on socials now so i'm sure we'll we'll, sp we'll speak again absolutely thanks mate great time no worries thank you cheers bye